Today, we have a lot of really great news for Donald Trump, suggesting that he may be on track for a massive 2020 re-election victory. First, the political conventions are over and the Republicans crushed the Democrats by about 25 million total viewers. And Trump raised $76 million during the Republican National Convention. Shortly after it was announced that the Iron Range, a Democrat stronghold, several cities have come out and endorsed Donald Trump for his reelection campaign. And during the political conventions, Hill Harris X ran a survey of black voters and found 24% approve of Donald Trump's job as president. Now, the reason this is so good for Trump is that the poll was conducted during the convention and it was before his final acceptance speech. So not only did they score massive ratings, but it stands to reason that if they conducted a poll now, Trump's approval rating among black voters would probably be higher at the very least. And this has been tracking consistently throughout the year with polls such as Rasmussen and Emerson showing that Donald Trump's support among black voters is fairly high between 20 and 30%. This should scare Democrats. It's long been said, that if a Republican gets 20% of the black vote, they will win. And it's starting to look like Donald Trump has certainly earned that already, especially, like I said, with these ratings. But of course, the Democrats are calling for mail-in voting, which is interesting. I have to wonder why this is, right? Dr. Burks and Fauci have both said we can vote in person. And we've seen already from Politico and the Washington Post that mail-in voting hurts minority communities and first time voters. And then you start to put these pieces together and think maybe the reason the Democrats are trying to push for mail-in voting when the doctors say it's safe to vote in person is because it's going to hurt the black community vote. It's going to disenfranchise people. Now, I can't speculate, but I can say Joe Biden has said that he will that Donald Trump will be removed from office by the military. But military officials are saying never going to happen. They will not intervene in a dispute. So I have to wonder, with all of this really good news for Donald Trump, is the reason Democrats are pushing for mail-in voting because they want to delegitimize his election victory, which seems to be a given at this point. I don't know, but I will say we don't know for sure that Donald Trump is going to win. I think it's a safe bet. And the betting odds are improving for Trump and the polls are improving for Trump. And of course, I mentioned all of this data as well. So I think he's on track for a victory. Things can change, but it really feels like Joe Biden's phoning it in. And you've got Nancy Pelosi saying things like, we're going to get his tax returns even if he loses. Many have suggested this shows they're not really serious about winning at all. In fact, they plan to lose. And perhaps mail-in voting, which is already being contested across this country, is just a way that they can claim Trump didn't really win. Well, let's take a look at these first couple of stories. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways. There there are many ways you can give. There's a P.O. box if you'd like to send things. The best thing you can do, share this video. I don't have a big marketing department like major networks do. I just have you guys. If you think I'm doing a really good job, consider sharing the video to help spread the word. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button and subscribe. uh, Hit the notification bell if you haven't already. Let's read the news first from Fox. Trump campaign rakes in $76 million during Republican National Convention. The GOP convention brought in 147.9 million views across television and online, Fox News has learned. They say a senior Trump campaign official told Fox News the campaign, the RNC and Trump victory and Trump MAGAC, Make America Great Again campaign, 
raised $76 million between the kickoff of the convention Monday and Trump's formal nomination acceptance speech. They say last week, Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden's campaign announced the Democratic National Committee and their joint fundraising committees brought in $70 million in fundraising during the four day Democratic convention. The Biden campaign held numerous grassroots and high dollar fundraising events throughout the week. Meanwhile, the RNC brought in 147.9 million total views across television and online between Monday and the end of Thursday night's programming, according to a senior campaign official. The DNC convention, as Fox News previously reported, had 122 million total viewers through television and online. With massive fundraising and record viewership, President Trump's renomination convention was a huge unqualified success, Trump campaign communications director Tim Murtaugh told Fox News Friday. The first and most important thing to point out is that the information about Trump's ratings, it's coming from the campaign, a campaign official. Take it with a grain of salt, but it stands to reason it's true. I mean, we all we, we know that the live stream on C-SPAN for the Republican National Convention was six times higher than the DNC. But it is true that television ratings between the two favored the Democrats. We can only speculate as to why that is. But when you combine both numbers, Trump and the RNC win. But if you were to turn on CNN or any other mainstream outlet, would they tell you the truth? No, they won't. I can only imagine that Trump right now is looking at the numbers and saying, this is great news. I'm sure he's ecstatic. It's fantastic. We learned about C-SPAN's rating disparity favoring the Republicans. And what does CNN have to say? CNN comes out and says, Biden hits Trump where it hurts in the convention speech ratings by Brian Stelter. And while it is true, yes, that TV alone, Democrats won. It's out of context to ignore their total ratings. And they've done this in the past. And I believe it's stories like this that contribute to their blind spot, their inability to understand what's going on in this country. In an effort to make Trump look silly or stupid and get clicks, they omit key information and then claim Trump is going to be upset. No, it's just for them. The more CNN pumps out this fake out of context news, the more the resistance members, I'm doing air quotes, think they're winning when they're not. CNN says, President Trump's Thursday night convention speech making the case for his reelection was lower rated than his challenger Joe Biden's speech one week ago, according to overnight Nielsen ratings. He says the gap between Biden and Trump was wider earlier in the day when fewer networks were counted in the total. Nielsen released its final audience estimate late on Friday afternoon, bringing Trump within a million viewers. Still, Biden clearly edged out Trump. The Democratic convention was also higher rated than the Republican convention overall when the audience for all four days is tallied up. Here's some important context here. When you watch the RNC, you have these commentators from these networks lying relentlessly. I know because I turned on PBS and had to turn it off and put on C-SPAN. No wonder C-SPAN's ratings were six times that of the DNC. But the DNC wasn't getting this live, live fact checking. And I think it was CNN who said, well, it's because they're not lying like Trump is. You see the bias. If somebody was going to watch the RNC, watching it through mainstream sources was giving you a skewed perspective, so they probably didn't. That's important to understand why Trump's ratings were lower. They say the president's ratings obsession is well documented. He has tweeted about ratings hundreds of times, often inaccurately. He raised the subject as recently as Friday morning when he tweeted, great ratings and reviews last night. Thank you. He did not share any immediate reaction when the initial viewership figures showed him trailing Biden. 
If history is any guide, he may tout Fox News channel's ratings instead of the overall results. Fox News had by far the biggest audience of any channel on Thursday night with upwards of 9 million viewers. I'm not going to read into the nitty gritty because we already know that the total uh, total viewership for Trump was better. But nowhere in this article does he point out that Trump actually won with total viewership. And they did the same thing during Trump's inauguration. When Trump's campaign came out and said that they had a record inauguration attendance or viewership, the media lied and said, that's not true and only gave you key information like there weren't that many people there. One thing is true. Ratings across the board for both parties are dramatically down, even when you consider online. I don't know why that is. Perhaps people are tired and perhaps we are all in a bubble and most people are saying, leave us alone. But it doesn't tell us who's going to win. We won't know for sure until we hop over and take a look at the after convention polls. A new poll from the morning consult polls uh, shows Donald Trump pulls closer to Biden after the RNC nearly having a 10 point deficit to six points. We can talk about ratings all day and night, but what we're not getting out of those numbers is the satisfaction level of the viewers. Perhaps more people really did watch the DNC and they hated it. And that's why Trump's approval has gone up. I'm sorry, he has closed the gap. His polling has gone up between Joe Biden. Perhaps people watched the RNC and realized, well, the RNC was way better. And they talked about things we cared about. Many of the people who called into C-SPAN said, why aren't the Democrats talking about the riots? One woman said watching the RNC gave her hope. In fact, some people have pointed out, notably the Atlantic, this is how Joe Biden loses. While riots are going on across this country, the DNC showed protest imagery as if people liked what's happening to their cities. No, the riots and protests across this country are bothering people. That's why the Democrats recently flipped and started talking about law and order. Some people speculate it's why they chose Kamala Harris, because they're realizing the riots are bad news. I can only imagine people watched the DNC and they were upset about it. Thus, morning consult shows Trump closes the gap. But it does get more and more interesting. The Iron Range, a Democrat stronghold in Minnesota. You may have seen the story. I talked about it last night on the IRL podcast. So I'll just cover it briefly. This is one of the most democratic places ever. It is like union city. It is all union laborers. And six mayors have come out saying straight up, today we write to formally endorse President Donald J. Trump and Vice President Mike Pence for four more years. They mentioned for decades they voted Democrat. They just flipped Republican. We haven't seen this in decades. I think we might be headed to a UK-like landslide in the UK last December. It was a victory not seen in 90 or 100 years where places that were voting left for, for you know nine decades all of a sudden switched and voted conservative. We may be heading in that direction. And I got more evidence to suggest that may be the case. The Hill reports Trump approval rises among black and Hispanic voters amid convention. But this is amid the convention. Check this out. President, this is from uh, from just the other day. President Trump's support among black voters rose nine percentage points amid the Republican National Convention. A new Hill-Harris ex-poll finds 24% of registered black voters in the August 22nd to 25th survey, which included the first two days of the convention, said they approve of the job Trump is doing as president, while 76% said they disapprove. That is up nine points from the previous survey conducted August 8th through 11th, where the president received 15% support among this group. The survey found that among Hispanic voters, 
Uh, Trump also grew by two points from 30 to 32 percent. Forty four percent of overall registered voters in the survey approved of Trump's job as president, a one percentage point dip from the last poll. Eighty two percent of Republican voters approve of Trump, a one point increase. Eighty seven percent of Democrat voters disapprove with 64 percent of uh, along with 64 percent of independent voters. Now, that is bad news in this poll. So I can certainly point out that the black support is going up and that and that may supersede everything. Look, you, you might have all these Democrats and independents saying, you know, we don't approve of Trump. They say his support among rural voters is, is at 53 percent. But it's long been said if a Republican gets more than 20 percent, they've won. Maybe this is just one poll. Maybe it's wrong. But Rasmussen and Emerson and Zogby have all shown the same thing. Growth among black voters. We've heard some pundits mention that in New York City, many in the black community are saying either I won't vote or I'll vote for Trump. And Republicans are complaining, saying, where's the GOP to come in and talk to these people and offer them solutions? Nowhere. The GOP, the GOP may be missing a huge opportunity in going after this voter base. I recently spoke with Billy Prempe. He is a black conservative running in New Jersey for Congress. And he's talked about how the GOP won't get behind him for the most part in this area because it's too blue. It's like D plus 16 or something. And they think it's just too expensive and they can't win. But Billy had a good, he had, he had a good, he's got a good head on, head on his shoulders. His argument is we've got to just do the work here. Otherwise, you'll never take back these urban centers. So by running, he's showing it's possible to at least chip away at the, at, you know, at the block to slowly, you know, build out that sculpture. Take a look at this, though. An interesting argument from Nate Silver. He's arguing that Joe Biden is, in fact, the silent majority. Maybe that's true. I don't know if it's necessarily what we think of when we think of the silent majority. But I want to talk about Biden's campaigning and how I think it's not going to be good enough. Nate Silver says, it seems to me that if Biden is at 51% of the polls, but his supporters aren't super vocal and don't have a ton of yard signs out there and stuff, then Biden voters could make a good claim to being the silent majority. Yeah, maybe. I disagree, though. The issue with the silent majority is they're not talking to the to the polls or they're lying because they're hiding. That would mean that Joe Biden is ahead in the polls because the silent majority is silent. Get it? That's the point. You can't be the silent majority if you're vocalizing your support in the polls for Joe Biden. Still, an interesting argument, and I would recommend any Trump supporter or anyone who plans on voting for him, make sure you do not get complacent. You better make sure you do everything in your power to get your ballot and vote and make sure it's done properly. We can see funny things like this from Joe Walsh. He says, I am a conservative working my A off to help you win. You're a good man, but please get out of your basement. Get on a plane. Go to Kenosha. Please lead comfort. Heal. If you don't, Trump could win. That's all. Time for tequila for me. You know what he points out? It's not being, it's, it's not being ignored. Most people are seeing the same thing. More good news for Donald Trump. The editorial board for the, for the New York Post says 2020 campaigns go into high gear, except for Biden, who will apparently be resting. Yeah, I mean, who's, who, who didn't see this coming? Joe Biden has been hiding in his basement, a coward, hiding from the conflict and the chaos, and he won't do interviews and he's barely doing anything. Most of us just assume his Twitter account is run by some intern and not him. He's essentially a sock puppet candidate. He's just there for the cameras so that people say, I remember that guy, but he's not really campaigning. 
The Post writes, with the conventions over, one of the uh, strangest presidential races in American history moves into high gear or, well, sort of. It's still not clear how much Democratic nominee Joe Biden will campaign. He so far only talked about visiting four swing states between now and November 3rd and says his campaign is still figuring out exactly how he'll he'll do even that. Biden is managing to meet with special interest donors. He dropped news of his travel plans Thursday at a fundraiser with trial lawyers. Yet his running mate, Senator Kamala Harris, is making it to Florida for a campaign event on Saturday. Is her staff just better at making arrangements? No, Biden's too old. He can't travel. Okay, so Kamala Harris is, is, is the real nominee. They say it sure looks like Biden is using the virus as an excuse to limit his public events. He tired rapidly on the campaign trail during the primaries and seems unwilling to focus. Witnesses rather off target answer Friday to a question about the cop who shot Jacob Blake wandering off into changes, charges about President Trump and white extremists without ever answering. Trump, meanwhile, did his first post-convention event Friday night in New Hampshire and plainly means to travel as much as he can through the, through the pandemic, uh, though the pandemic ensures his rallies will be smaller than in 2016. They say, uh, maybe Democrats figure those details don't matter. As their convention made plain, the strategy centers on painting Trump's America as a dark dystopia, not just COVID plagued, but full of structural racism too. And Biden as the miracle man who can fix it. If that were true and the strategy was working, then we wouldn't have four pollster, four pollsters now saying Trump's approval among black voters is going way, way up. S- sounds to me like the racism narrative isn't working. So then what is the Democrats real strategy? I think it's mail in voting. Take a look at this. More than 550,000 primary absentee ballots rejected in 2020, far outpacing 2016. It's very weird. Why would Democrats be setting up themselves to lose in this way? I honestly don't know. But think about this. We know the New York Times reported in 2012. They've reported it several times now, even though many of their reporters want to lie about it, that mail-in voting has its problems. The more you, you, the more people who vote by mail, the higher margin of error, the more ballots don't get counted. Take a look at this. 550,000 primary absentee ballots are being rejected, but 538 says Biden's voters appear far more likely to vote by mail than Trump's. That could make for a weird election night. Combine these two ideas. And what you get? Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci have said we can vote safely in person. Okay, let's do it. No, Democrats have said we must vote by mail. And in New Jersey, where I live, Trump is suing because they did a mandate. They're just going to send out mail-in ballots to everybody. I personally don't want one. I live here. Well, I guess I'm going to get it anyway. That I think is messed up. However, if we're going to have a massive margin of error, that means Trump voters vote in person are more likely to be counted. Biden voters vote by mail are less likely to be counted. This is going to help Donald Trump win. I wonder if the real issue here, like I mentioned earlier, the Democrats know Trump is going to win. They've known he was going to win ever since the first polls came out showing his support in the black community was around 30 or so percent. The best thing they could do is try and make it seem like all of Biden's voters are being disenfranchised. The mail-in voting happens. We can see a high level of rejection. And then Joe Biden challenges. Hillary Clinton already said Biden should not concede under any circumstances. It sounds like the Democrats are preparing to contest the election. 
They're going to argue that mail-in voting was disrupted. They've already pushed a conspiracy theory that Trump is destroying the post office. You see how the dominoes are being set up? Post office attacked by Trump claim Democrats. Mail-in voting the only way claim Democrats. Even though we already know about all of these errors, this is setting, setting everything up so that Democrat voters will say, my vote wasn't counted. I demand a recount. I want a lawsuit. I will challenge the results. And Joe Biden then says, I will, con- I will not concede under any circumstances. According to these war games, we saw this reported by the New York Times and the Boston Globe. The Biden campaign, as played by John Podesta, would, re- would, perf- would, would, would actually tell the West Coast Democrat states to secede from the union rather than give in to Trump's demands. And with Hillary Clinton now coming out and saying Biden should not concede at all for any reason, it seems like we're heading in that direction. If they did nothing, Trump would have had a clean victory and they would have nothing to say. They are, in my opinion, jamming things up so that they can then say Trump did it and he didn't really win. And then they will try to stop him from doing anything just like with Russiagate. They'll say he's an illegitimate president. We never conceded. He is not in charge. And Joe Biden has said Trump will be dragged out by the military. Apparently not. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff says the military will not intervene in the election or resolve a disputed vote after Biden claimed Trump would have to be dragged from the White House if he refuses to accept defeat. General Mark Milley told Congress on Friday the military will not get involved in the election process or be willing to resolve a disputed vote. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff said he believes deeply in the principle of an apolitical U.S. military. It comes amid fears Trump might refuse to accept defeat if he loses in November. The president has repeatedly claimed without evidence that mail-in ballots will result in inaccurate and fraudulent election. Where does that narrative come from? At this point, I can only imagine these people are willfully lying because NPR certainly reported this. Many of these mainstream outlets have reported this. Ballots are being rejected. Of course, it's going to be inaccurate then how does the Daily Mail say without evidence? Trump cited evidence. He cited Patterson. They claimed it wasn't good enough. Patterson's great evidence. We don't do universal mail-in voting. The first time we did, it was Patterson and everything got messed up. Now a judge has ruled they got to redo the whole election. What do you think is going to happen? Come the general. They say in June, Milley apologized for walking with Trump through Lafayette Square in what turned out to be a photo op during the George Floyd protests. I want to say this. Bravo to Mark Milley, Joint Chiefs of uh, Chief, uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The military should not get involved. You know what? You know what causes a revolution and a coup, and I've seen it in these other countries. The military finally decides, okay, we've got to step in to restore order, and they choose sides. There's no right or there's there's no one. one uh, there's no two ways about it. You're going to pick one side, and you're going to inflame the other. The military should not get involved other than to prevent chaos in the streets. If Trump and Biden cannot resolve this, and I I think Trump's going to win, but if Biden contests this and refuses to give up, kind of like how Hillary Clinton did, and for three years we got Russiagate, then the only thing the military should do is stop people from attacking each other in the streets and keep order. And I don't know what to tell you. I really do feel like we are headed for a, a, a train crash. Trump, I believe, will win. The Democrats will claim he did not win. They will refuse to concede. And all of the Democrat voters will create whatever stupid, nonsensical, deceitful reason to claim they really won. And they're already doing it every day with fake news. They say over and over again without evidence. Why? We know that mail-in ballots are busted. They're lying. I'll tell you what we're going to see. 
Trump. So uh, there's a couple things. If Biden voters vote by mail pr- predominantly, then we'll see Trump win early on. And then over time, they'll find more and more votes. Um, I don't know that, you know, that you can argue it's cheating, whatever. Then Biden will slowly climb ahead like they did in 2018. Or Trump will file a lawsuit. We will have no clear winner. The left will claim the mail-in ballots were, were messed up by Trump. Trump will claim that they were accurately removed, just like they're supposed to be. And that's a Democrat's fault for calling for it. We'll end up in a lawsuit. People will start fighting each other in the streets. The far left is already calling for mass protest and activism across this country, and it will escalate. So the only thing I can hope for is that the military intervenes only to stop the violence and we can carry on like normal. I can't tell you the future, man. I don't know what's going to happen. I think this all looks really, really good for Donald Trump, but that's about all I can say. The data is there. Trump is pulling ahead post convention bump. The ratings are good and the media is lying about all of it. So I guess we can only wait and see as per usual. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. We have major breaking news pertaining to Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old who was charged with first-degree intentional homicide after shooting two of the BLM extremists in Kenosha. It turns out he worked in Kenosha. He did not bring a gun across state lines. He was asked by the business owner to defend the building. And as we saw from interviews earlier in the day, he had a medical kit and said his intention was to render aid even to people who were protesting or rioting. So no, he was not there based on, you know, based on all these leftist memes we see on Facebook. He was not there hunting people or looking for trouble. That is, as it would seem, patently false. Now, a lot of this information is coming from the defense. So we'll see how it plays out. But we're hearing now that the judge in Illinois has postponed, delayed the extradition hearing. And many people are suggesting the DA in in Wisconsin filed these charges quickly without proper investigation in order to prevent more rioting. So not and not actually justifiable charges. We'll see how that plays out. And I'll read that story because it turns out as well, according to the defense, Kyle Rittenhouse immediately turned himself into police. But this is what's really scary to me. And this is what I want to get to after we go through the breaking news. Facebook has banned support for Kyle Rittenhouse. Keep in mind, the New York Times said he was attacked first. The New York Times said this. The New York Times says someone fired the first round and then he turned and fired. Now, the New York Times said the person fired in the air. I don't know exactly who the person was, why they were firing, but that absolutely would put Kyle Rittenhouse in fear that he was about to die. So he turned and fired in the direction of the bullets. We also learned from the New York Times that 16 other rounds were fired. And some are even suggesting, I don't know about this one, that one of the guys who died actually took a bullet from behind. So we don't know for sure. There's a lot that, that is coming out. There's a lot that will probably change. But as it stands right now, the New York Times basically said, and you, you look at the charging documents, all of this, it looks like it's a clear cut case of self-defense from somebody who was legally carrying a rifle who was asked to defend a building. But Facebook has says has said, you cannot praise the individual. Why? They're treating him like any other terrorist. I want you to remember this because this is where it gets scary. When they came to the home of the McCloskeys in St. Louis, guess who got charged with a crime? The McCloskeys. When the guy in his car in Austin was defending himself from a man drawing his rifle, who did they blame? The guy in the car. When Kyle Rittenhouse was asked to help render aid and defend a business, 
Who are they blaming? The kid defending himself nonstop every day. I hear stories about how the police and these governments are letting the extremists run, run rampant with impunity. There's photos coming out from D.C. of this massive march that occurred. Tens of thousands, if not more, all crammed and huddled together. But the media came out and condemned Trump for having a couple hundred people at the White House outside, mind you. The game is obvious, but it gets scary when morality police will charge this kid with with serious crimes because they're scared of the mob. I told you this would happen. I said when they come for you, the police are going to they're going to say it is easier to just violate the rights of one person than it is to deal with a riot. Therefore, they will set this kid aflame figuratively. But let's read the story first. We have this from the Gateway Pundit. Now, I got to admit, I am not a fan of the Gateway Pundit. You can see NewsGuard doesn't like them either. But this is written by Cassandra Fairbanks, who I actually think does a really great job. And I do trust. She's a friend of mine. So I actually, I, I, will, I will believe this to be credible. But keep in mind, I have, I have to say it, it's Gateway Pundit. They've done a bunch of really dumb stuff in the past, though I think Cassandra does a good job. They say Kyle Rittenhouse was working as a lifeguard in Kenosha the day of the shooting, went to clean vandalism at school after work. They say the simple uh, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is a community lifeguard who was working in Kenosha the day of the shooting. The simple fact destroys the narrative being peddled by the mainstream media that he had crossed state lines to harm the rioters. In a statement to Rittenhouse's legal team at Pierce Bainbridge provided to the Gateway Pundit, after Kyle finished his work that day as a community lifeguard in Kenosha, he wanted to help clean up some of the damage. So he and a friend went to to the local public high school to remove graffiti by rioters. Additionally, the weapon Rittenhouse was using to protect himself and others never crossed state lines. Here's a quote. Later in the day, they received information about a call to help from a local business, a call for help from a local business owner whose downtown Kenosha auto dealership was largely destroyed by mob violence. The statement continues. Business owner needed help to protect what he had left of his life's work, including two nearby mechanics shops. Kyle and a friend armed themselves with rifles due to the deadly violence gripping Kenosha and many other American cities and headed to the business premises. uh, premises. The weapons were in Wisconsin and never crossed state lines. Cassandra goes on to say, when Rittenhouse arrived at the mechanics shop, he and others stood guard to prevent further destruction. Later that night, long after the 8 p.m. curfew had passed, the police began to disperse a group of rioters. His lawyer, John M. Pierce, explains that while dispersing the mob, they maneuvered a mass of individuals down the street toward the auto shops. Rittenhouse and others were threatened and taunted, but he did not react. His intent was not to incite violence, but simply to deter property damage and use his training to provide first aid to injured community members. Pierce says this is backed up by video that was published to Twitter well before any shooting occurred. People had interviewed him. And they posted the video and he said, I have a medical kit to render aid to anybody who gets hurt. He was not there looking for trouble. After the situation seemed to be diffused, Rittenhouse became increasingly concerned about people who were injured at the gas station. He went in that direction with his first aid kit. He helped those he could uh, he could find who were injured, either by administering aid or directing them which way to go for help beyond what he could offer. This is also confirmed in video before the shooting. The statement says, by the final time that Rittenhouse returned to the gas station and confirmed there was no more injured individuals who needed assistance, police had advanced their formation and blocked what would have uh, would have been his path back to the mechanics shop. Kyle then complied with the, pro- the police instructions not to go back there. Kyle returned to the gas station until he learned of a need to help protect the second mechanics shop further down the street, where property destruction was imminent with no uh, with no police nearby. Quote, as Kyle proceeded towards the second mechanics shop, 
He was accosted by multiple rioters who recognized that he had been attempting to protect a business the mob wanted to destroy. The out, this outraged the rioters and created a mob now determined to hurt Kyle. They began chasing him down. Kyle attempted to, to get away, but he could not do so quickly enough. Upon the sound of a gunshot behind him, Kyle returned and was immediately faced with an attacker lunging towards him and reaching for his rifle. He reacted instantaneously and justifiably with his weapon to protect himself, firing and striking the attacker, Pierce explains. Again, this in the defense statement, a statement from the defense is backed up by exactly what the New York Times reported. Someone fired a gunshot and the attacker reached and tried to take his gun from him. And then he fired. They say additionally, Rittenhouse stopped to ensure care for his attacker. Hardly sounds like someone who had went to the riot with the intent to kill. Quote, Kyle stopped to ensure care for the wounded attacker, but faced a growing mob gesturing towards him. He realized he needed to flee for his safety and his survival. Another attacker struck Kyle from behind as he fled down the street. Kyle turned as the mob pressed on him and he fell to the ground. His legal team says one attacker kicked Kyle on the ground while he was on the ground. Yet another bashed him over the head with a skateboard. Several rioters tried to disarm Kyle in fear for his life and concerned. The crowd would either continue to shoot at him or even use his own weapon against him. Kyle had no choice but to fire multiple rounds toward his immediate attackers, striking two, including one armed attacker. The rest of the mob began to disperse upon hearing the additional gunshots. Some important context. The New York Times confirms 16 other gunshots at this time. Kyle was likely being shot at. The person hit him over the head with a skateboard. It, I, I, it's, it's tough to say because the video I watched, he, it may not have been intentional like hard strike, but the skateboard makes contact with his head. I'll put it that way. Kyle rolls over and fires one round up and into the heart of this man who then stumbles over and dies. The next guy approaching is armed with a Glock nine millimeter. He then puts his hands up and Kyle refrains from shooting. But the man then lunges forward and tries to grab his gun. So he fires up, hitting his arm, vaporizing this man's bicep. There's some there's some hearsay I'm not going to get into about what that guy's intentions were. But suffice it to say what we're hearing now, it's not good. Someone posted a photo of him of himself with this guy and his arm in a sling saying the guy's intention was to kill Kyle. Quote, Kyle got up and continued down the street in the direction of the police with his hands in the air. He attempted to contact multiple officers, but they were more concerned with the wounded attackers. The police did not take Kyle into custody at that time, but instead they indicated he should keep moving. He fully cooperated both then and later that night when he turned himself into the police in his hometown, Antioch, Illinois. It's important to note Antioch is about 20 miles from Kenosha. He worked in Kenosha. That's why he was there. The legal team says, in a reactionary rush to appease the divisive destructive forces currently roiling this country, prosecutors in Kenosha did not engage in any meaningful analysis of the facts or any in-depth review of avail- available video footage, some of which shows that a critical state's witness was not even at the area where the shots were fired. This was not a serious investigation. Rather, after learning Kyle may have had conservative political viewpoints, they immediately saw him as a convenient target who they could use as a scapegoat to distract from the Jacob Blake shooting and the government's abject failure to ensure basic law and order to citizens. Within 24 to 36 hours, he was charged with multiple homicide counts. That seems rather odd. The police need to do an investigation. When we're looking at what's going on in Portland with these riots, it took the feds months to actually go in and start arresting people and filing these charges against them. Why? They needed to do an investigation. But within a day, they gave this kid, what, six homicide counts or something to that effect? They say, 
Rittenhouse is now being represented by some of the best legal minds in the country at Pierce Brainbridge with the help of Nicholas Sandman's lawyer, Lynn Wood. On Friday, his legal team obtained a several week continuance of his extradition hearing to September 25th. The lawyers say this is an attempt to slow the rush to assassinate his character and destroy his life. Kyle, his family, the team at at Pierce Bainbridge and his other lawyers intend to fight these charges every step of the way. Take the case to trial and win an acquittal on the grounds of self-defense before a jury of his peers. The legal fees and other costs of Kyle's defense will be provided through donations to Fight Back Foundation, a foundation created by John Pierce and Linwood to protect law-abiding American citizens whose rights are being trampled on by state and local governments that are more concerned with appeasing mobs than protecting those rights. Quote, a 17-year-old child should not have to take up arms in America to protect life and property. That is the job of state and local governments. However, those governments have failed and law-abiding citizens have no choice but to protect their own communities as their forefathers did at Lexington and Concord in 1775. Kyle is not a racist or a white supremacist. He is a a brave, patriotic, compassionate, law-abiding American who loves his country and his community. He did nothing wrong. He defended himself, which is a fundamental right of all Americans given by God and protected by law. He is now in the crosshairs of institutional forces that are much more powerful than him. But he will stand up to them and fight not only for himself, but for all Americans and their beloved constitution. We will never leave his side until he is victorious in that fight. The New York Post's now reports the judge has delayed the extradition hearing for the accused Kenosha shooter. You have a right to bear arms in this country and you have a right to protect yourself. I believe based on what we've seen from the New York Times official reporting on this, that he was attacked first based on what we're now learning from the defense. I'm going to go ahead and say it seems particularly obvious They would not just come out and lie about where he worked. That would be patently absurd. And it seems that one of the witnesses for the state wasn't even in the vicinity of the shooting. This seems like it may be malicious prosecution. Now, maybe not. It's hard to prove malicious prosecution. But I think, like the defense said, two things. It's an excellent scapegoat for the Jacob Blake shooting. Hey, not our fault. Our police did their jobs. Look at this guy. Look what he did but also they're scared because the mob and the riot will come out and they will attack people. But of course, the media has already been lying about this, saying that he was a militia member. And I I don't know if he's actually a member of a militia. Many people, I've never actually heard someone say if he really was, seems like a local kid. And he's 17, by the way. But they're saying he's a white supremacist. Some insurrectionists, I'm not even exaggerating, a dude who literally said he was part of, of an uh, insurrectionary group called like something insurgents claimed this guy shot three kids. Just never happened. They're lying. This is what happened. The Guardian reports praise for alleged Kenosha shooter proliferates on Facebook despite supposed ban. One fundraiser for Kyle Rittenhouse was shared more than 17,700 times by groups with more than 3.9 million aggregate followers. They go on to say that Facebook has de- designated the shooting a mass shooting a ruling that invokes the company's ban on praise, support, or representation of a mass shooter or the shooting itself, a spokesperson said on Wednesday. And yet those types of posts continue to be spread widely on the platform, according to a Guardian analysis of crowd tangle data. There's, there, there's, there's, another, there's, there's a ton of other big stories that I, I wasn't able to get into this segment because we really need to go through the details of what's going on with Kyle. But we're hearing Donald Trump now say he will invoke the Insurrection Act. And you know what? It seems like Joe Biden wants him to. Joe Biden said all of this violence and destruction happened on Donald Trump's watch. Okay, sounds like Joe Biden thinks Donald Trump should invoke the Insurrection Act, come in and shut all this down. 
Some people have said that Trump should pardon Rittenhouse. He can't. It's not a federal crime. It's state level. The, the president can pardon people who have committed federal crimes or who are in federal and commute sentences of those in federal custody and, and, and you know, serving uh, sentences on federal uh, federal crimes. I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be up to Wisconsin, the Wisconsin governor, and he will absolutely not do this. I'm glad to hear that Illinois is putting a delay on the extradition, but welcome to your brave new world. Facebook has said this young man who seems to be an upstanding member of his community is the villain. And you dare not support him. That's scary. Is he not entitled to a legal defense? This is the problem with mass censorship. Facebook has seized the commons. Our public spaces, our ability to communicate have been monopolized by Facebook, Twitter, and yes, even YouTube. And they impose rules preventing you from giving true justice to people like Kyle and even the people who are shot. Because true justice means that Kyle gets a fair defense. And if people want to fundraise to pay his lawyers, they have the right to do so. But Facebook is acting as though this young man is the terrorist himself. Now, I have a line. I'm not playing this game. We've seen the videos. We've seen the report from the New York Times. The left is lying. They are lying about everything. The New York Times is a left-leaning outlet. Absolutely. And even they've done an analysis showing that Kyle Rittenhouse was attacked first. He had a right to protect himself. And according to his, his defense, we know what he was doing there. The narrative being pushed through all these memes and from these pundits that he was a white supremacist crossing state lines armed to hunt down uh, uh, protesters is an outright and overt lie. And it is exacerbating the problem and encouraging more rioting. And that is what Facebook allows. The memes are everywhere, but they ban support for the kid defending himself. When they come to your neighborhood, you will be arrested. And I've been saying this over and over again. And here it is. Here it is. What does he get? Six counts, six homicide charges. It's exactly what I said was going to happen. Okay, let me stop. It's not exactly what I said was going to happen. I'm just getting too worked up. It's very similar. And we're inching toward that direction. Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse working in this city, you know, 20, 20 or so miles from his house, which is, which is a hop, skip and a jump when you live out in you know, the middle of nowhere. It's in between Chicago and Milwaukee. So this is probably one of the closest cities to him. So it's no, no, no surprise he has a job there. So he's working there. He gets word that extremists who don't live there, because it turns out two of these guys lived further away than he did. No joke, further away than he did. So he hears that these people coming from out of town, burning things down and attacking innocent people, destroying lives. And he said, I work here. I'm going to protect my community. They showed up and they attacked him and he tried to flee. Think about that. When it comes to the charges against him, we've seen the video. He's running away from them. New York Times confirms it, but they still charged him. Someone fired first. He defended himself. He tried to render aid. And then when they attacked him again, he tried to flee again. Yet still, they say first degree homicide. You know what that means? They're arguing that he, he went there, that he engaged in his behavior with the intent to kill. They could have theoretically argued that uh, it was second degree murder. Maybe it would have been an easier case. They don't want to do it. The fact that they said first degree intentional homicide suggests to me that they're scared of the riots and they're using him as a scapegoat. And it is insane. But the reason I bring this up is because the riots are only getting worse. Donald Trump 
has said he will invoke the Insurrection Act. Uh, I, I should say he, he's, he's said if they don't get things in order in Portland. Now, here's where it gets crazy. And, and I'm going to save this for the next segment because it's a much, much bigger story. Governor Evers agreed with Trump and Trump is going to be sending in federal law enforcement. He may have already done so. U.S. Marshals who are already there assisted Kenosha police in arresting extremists who came from Seattle. So the feds have already helped make arrests. Governor Evers has also agreed to bolster the National Guard. However, in Portland, Mayor Ted Wheeler rejected Trump's offer of federal assistance. And this is the point. People often say, why vote for Trump? Because Trump has been offering assistance the entire time and they have rejected it the entire time. Only now are they willing to accept help from Trump and the federal government. Good. But here's what's worrying to me. These Democratic mayors and governors will get reelected. And as we've now seen, when they come to your community, be it the McCloskey's, be it Kyle Rittenhouse, if you defend yourself, you get arrested. You go to prison. Facebook bans you. They vilify you. The leftist mobs, the extremists are being granted impunity to destroy and burn down everything. And I watched that video of the business owner crying and hugging. I believe it may have been his wife. I'm not sure. Because everything he knows and loves was destroyed for no reason. I watched a video of a 70 year old man get clubbed over the head. You see the video? It's going viral. None of that makes the news. You're allowed to support these people. In fact, the NBA players just protested to support them. But heaven forbid you want to offer up a real legal defense for this individual, something he's entitled to under the Constitution. Eventually, they'll come to your house. They'll come to my house. And that's why gun sales are through the roof. And that's why there's no ammo left. It's not just that the supply chain is disrupted. Distributors are running out of bullets. It's because people are rushing to the stores to buy them up. Maybe this doesn't end badly, however, because I can imagine that most people are not extremists. Most people are not these activists. The DNC may want to use this protest imagery, but the average person saying, why are you showing the people who attack me on the DNC screen? These people who are victims. I think regular people are getting armed and they're staying in their homes. And they're saying, leave me alone. And it's only a matter of time before all this flips and the extremists get locked up because the feds are coming for them. Heaven forbid, however, if the Democrats win, because they'll keep allowing this to happen. We need not just Trump to win. We need across the board, the mayors, the congressmen and women, the governors, all these Democrats to be removed because of their ineptitude. Only after their polls got hurt, did they say anything negative about these lunatics. And if they get elected again, And I'll tell you this, if Trump loses, Joe Biden will not deploy feds or invoke the Insurrection Act. No one will stop these people. And when they come to your house, the cops will arrest you. Keep that in mind. I got my uh, my next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. Donald Trump is roasting the pathetic Democratic mayor of Portland, who once again has rejected federal assistance in the face of ongoing riots and looting and protesting. You see, in the wake of Kenosha, the governor of Wisconsin got smart and said, you know what, Trump, you're right. Let's bring in the feds, bolster that National Guard and shut it down. And now something funny has happened. So we're going to go over this. We'll talk about what Trump said about this guy. But let's talk about karma, perhaps instant karma. You see, in this tweet I have on display, Mayor Ted Wheeler says, today I sent this letter via email to real Donald Trump. 
declining his returning offer to aid Portland by sending federal enforcement to the city. Okay, how's that working out for you, Ted Wheeler? Black Lives Matter with demands swarm Portland mayor's condo stage sit-in hours after he praised peaceful protests. Talk about spineless, ineffectual, and pathetic leadership. And now you reap what you have sown. Peaceful protests are great, like real ones. Now they're going inside his condo building. And you know what? To the rest of the people who live there, I feel kind of bad. It's a condo building, so there's a bunch of other people there. Their property value is probably worth nothing right now. Although I guess some people are still buying in these cities because I have no idea. Whatever. I guess you want to live in a city with no business, COVID shutdown, and violent riots all the time. But anyway, they're literally going in his building, and they're staging sit-ins, and the cops aren't showing up. (laughs) Bravo, good sir. Donald Trump's offer, I'm assuming, is still on the table. Trump claims he will take care of rioters in Portland if the incompetent mayor doesn't get control of his city and adds Kenosha has been very quiet since the National Guard arrived. That's actually true. Now, to be fair, Portland was quiet the past uh, two nights ago. I'm not so sure how it was last night, probably because a lot of these people are running from the feds because the feds just announced 74 people are facing federal charges. Some face five year minimum prison sentences and some face up to 20 years in prison. I think it's fair to say Donald Trump cracked the whip and these loonies went running scared. But now in Portland still, I don't know about the riots, but they're going inside the mayor's house demanding he resign. You know what? I actually agree with the Black Lives Matter protesters on this one. I don't necessarily agree with going into the condo, but demanding the resignation of Mayor Ted Wheeler. Yeah, that's actually, you know, I, I got to say I agree. So uh, I will I will stand at least on this one issue in solidarity with these activists saying get him out of office. Now, I think they want to get him out of office for like really weird and creepy far left extremist reasons. But I think we can all agree this dude should not be mayor anymore. I mean, even Trump's called him incompetent. Nobody likes the guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. And I'm sure the people who live in his building are pissed off. Here's the story from BizPack Review. They say, in a fit of delicious irony, an angry mob of Black Lives Matter protesters swarmed the condominium building where Portland's Democrat mayor, Ted Wheeler, lives. They demanded Wheeler's immediate resignation and the complete abolition of the Portland Police Department. Now, that's just stupid. But hey, man, you get what you reap what you sow. You know what I mean? This is what this is what you do. You let these people run around for months doing whatever they want. And now they're going to do it in your house. The protest occurred just hours after Wheeler praised the mob for their peaceful protest, wink, wink, and derisively refused President Trump's offer to send federal troops to stem the rioting. People have been saying troops about this. But let's be real. Donald Trump is talking about federal law enforcement. They're like the same as cops. You know, you've got uh, Federal Protective Services just wearing uniforms like regular cops, but, you know, federal. They say troops because in Portland they're using tactical gear. Outside Wheeler's building, angry demonstrators held Black Lives Matter, defund the police and send send Ted Wheeler to the (laughs) to the Hague signs and flags. Inside, a group of protesters invaded Wheeler's lobby and staged a sit-in. The activists said they would not leave the lobby until Wheeler caved to their demands, which includes his resignation and the prompt defunding of the police. Well, I don't know. He would have to like defund the police and then resign, but I'm not sure it would work that way because he'd have to. I actually don't know if he can defund the police. I think it's going to have to be like a city council decision. But if he resigned, what could he do then? So you can't have both, can you? 
The irony is that Mayor Wheeler has repeatedly sided with anti-police protesters and praised violent leftist rioters. Wheeler is presumably learning that bending the knee to left-wing mobs only encourages them to demand total surrender. In another delectable example of karmic justice, the police did not respond to 911 calls made by Wheeler's building. Why should they? Since both Wheeler and the Black Lives Matter mob openly despise the police. I'm gonna stop you right there. They should because there are other people who live there. Look, man, I don't like Ted Wheeler. I think, you know, the way I described Ted Wheeler the other day is he's probably one of these like whiny beta dudes from high school who's like got some raunchy chick he's known most of his life and she's a crazy far lefty. And then he's like, Roxanne, um, I, uh, I allowed the riot uh, protesters to, to, to protest. That's cool, right? She's like, whatever, dude, I don't care. And he's like, I, I told the, po- to po- the police to stand down. That, that, that's cool. Yeah, I don't care, dude. And so he's just desperate to give. I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. But he's desperate to give them whatever they want. He's like the cool dad being like, I'm hip. I'm with it, kids. Woo-hoo. And then they go to his house. And then his neighbors are like, dude, call 911. And the cops are like, nope, we're not coming for that. Too bad. Now his neighbors are suffering. I think that's kind of that kind of sucks. Andy No says security for Ted Wheeler's condo said said a while ago they called police, but no one has shut up so far. That part of the Pearl District in northwest Portland is currently completely occupied by far left protesters demanding he resign. Portland Rising Tide says activists are occupying Portland Ted Wheeler apartment building and aren't leaving until he meets their demands. His resignation, complete abolishment of the police by 2022 with no tech or private replacement. <laughs> what? And saved resources allotted to BIPOC communities and city services. I'm telling you, they're, they're, they're calling for abolishing the police and replacing it with nothing. It's, it's okay. It's so, it's so that the roving bands can march around with baseball bats, smashing up whoever they want, and no one will stop them. But I'll tell you what, it won't be a private replacement. It will just be regular people going around with guns. That's why they're buying guns in record numbers. And ammo is sold out everywhere. That should be alarming, shouldn't it? People are stocking up on bullets for a reason. Garrison Davis says a resident in the apartment complex has put a Black Lives Matter banner on their front porch looking over the crowd. I roll. Still hundreds in the streets in front of Ted's apartment, a dozen or so locked inside. Alex Millen says a protester tries to get into Mayor Ted Wheeler's apartment building where three activists have locked uh, locked arms. I got white people s to do in there. Uh-huh. The block party protest calling for the Portland Police Bureau to be defunded outside Ted Wheeler's apartment is in full swing. Andy No says Antifa and BLM are flashing strobe lights into Ted Wheeler's condo building in northwest Portland. They're also, host, they're also hosting a metal concert on the street, blocking the road in the condo lobby. Occupiers have chained themselves together, demanding he resign. Several of Wheeler's neighbors got annoyed by the rioting and allegedly dumped water on the protesters in a bit of frustration. <laughs> wow. Look at this. DSA says people are coming to the door to inform the security that people are throwing things off their balcony onto the protesters outside. Can anyone confirm? Amazing. Just hours before his home was under siege, Wheeler slammed Trump and snidely refused his offer to send federal troops to manage the daily riots ransacking his city. Wheeler wrote, we don't need your politics of division and demagoguery. There is no place for looting, arson or vandalism in our city. Stay away, please. Y'all see what happened the other day when uh, after the RNC, Rand Paul starts walking out with his wife and then they get surrounded by a bunch of crazy extremists screaming in his face, being like, we demand justice for Breonna Taylor. And they're attacking him and the cops like raising his bike to defend him. The funny thing about that, and the reason I bring it up, Rand Paul is the author 
Uh, I believe he's the principal author of the Justice for Brianna Act or, or uh, for, for Brianna Taylor Act, something like that. The goal is to ban no-knock warrants. Rand Paul is absolutely on their side and trying to enact police reform to stop things like that from happening. I think Rand Paul's pretty great. The fact that they attacked him shows they don't actually care about any of these causes. Someone just said it and they just repeat it like a mindless drone. All they want to do is destroy, romp about and be angry. They don't want solutions to anything. They need an excuse to be angry. This is what Ted Wheeler is supporting. People who don't care about anything, marching around, destroying things. So here's what he writes to Trump. Yet again, you said you'd offered to aid Portland by sending in federal law enforcement to our city. On behalf of the city of Portland, no thanks. We don't need your politics of division and demagoguery. Portlanders are on to you. We have already seen your reckless disregard for human life in your bumbling response to the COVID pandemic. And we know you've reached the conclusion that images of violence or vandalism are your only ticket to re-election. There is no plan. <laughs> Think about how stupid you have to be to write a letter like this. The riots going on are helping Donald Trump. If Trump ended them, he wouldn't have this. So dumb. Look, if Trump really wanted to, if, if Trump really thought this was going to help him win, he'd invoke the Insurrection Act. No, what's helping Donald Trump win is that he's not violating states' rights. He's upholding the Constitution, not interfering in your local affairs. And he's offering you help and you say no. How dumb do you have to be? The smartest thing Ted Wheeler could do would say, okay, you know why? Because then it would be on Trump to actually send in law enforcement and effectively end the protests and the, or, or the rioting. And if Trump couldn't do it and the feds couldn't do it, then people would look to Trump and say he failed. He can't keep us safe. More importantly, if Trump sweeps out the riots now, the imagery fades and people become comfortable saying, well, there's no riots anymore. Why would I vote for Trump? The best thing for Trump is that he keeps offering help and you keep saying no. But I'll tell you what, I think Trump's honestly offering the help like he did in Wisconsin and the feds are being deployed and the National Guard's coming in. And you know what? This shows us something. Trump is ready, willing and able to assist to end the extremism. Still, these psychotic leftist politicians in the Democratic Party reject the assistance. Trump is up, according to Trafalgar Group in Wisconsin. And we just uh, we just saw the Iron Range in Minnesota come out six cities in this Democrat stronghold, union stronghold, endorsed Donald Trump's reelection. How about that? Regular people know what's up and they like what Trump is doing to help them stabilize things. But the more these Democratic morons keep saying, no, Trump, we don't want your help. And then this happens, proving Trump right, the better he's going to do. It's absolutely absurd that he would actually write something like this. Here's what he said. There is no place for looting, arson, or vandalism in our city. There is no room here for racist violence or those who wish to bring their ideology of hate into our community. Those who commit criminal acts will be apprehended and prosecuted under the law. And how amazing is it that he just stood defiant in, in the face of the federal government to all the people of Portland? Don't worry. We don't need Trump's help. We can take care of it because looting is bad. And then they break into his own house. Wow, man. Look, it's one thing when you've got riots outside of the federal courthouse, and you can say, you know what? Portland's mostly safe. They're mad at Trump. It's another thing when they break into your home. You want to talk about being shown to be weak. That's what people don't understand. They say Donald Trump cleared out peaceful protesters in front of the White House. He used tear gas to do it. Uh-huh. Well, these peaceful protesters the previous night tried to burn down a, 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 this very famous church. 
the church that all the presidents go to. They tried to burn it down. There was a fire in there. Bill Barr was asked about it. And they said, you know, that clearing out these protesters for a photo op was denounced by the cardinals and the priests. And Bill Barr goes, was that before or after he put the fire out? Boom, mic drop. You know what American, the American people see? I talked about this when it happened. They're like, Trump, Trump cleared out peaceful protesters so he could have a photo op. And I was like, yeah, you know what Trump did? He showed two things. One, the church stands. They tried to burn it down. We saved it. Two, the protesters, the extremists will not dictate where I stand. Trump did that to show strength. Now, you want to complain that it was wrong. I don't actually even know if Trump was the one who ordered it, because apparently he didn't. Apparently it was Bill Barr, I think. And it was because there was a, there was a warning given about like a certain point the protesters had to clear out. Trump walks out. They blame him for it. You know what? At this point, I'm fine with it. I am. Look, I don't like the government shutting down actual peaceful protests. I don't know exactly what was going on. Of course, the left is going to claim it was, you know, it was all peaceful. I'm not entirely sure. I'm convinced you've lost my good faith. I do not believe you're being honest because every single thing we see is is bunk. So here's what I see. Donald Trump has no problem being like out, sweeping them up. He points to Portland and says, I can end this right now. And the mayor goes, no, I don't want your help. And then they storm into his own home. When they came to Trump's home, he said, get out of my way. He saved the church and he pushed them out. No problem. Ted Wheeler collapsed like a pathetic whiny baby. He says tens of thousands of Portlanders have peacefully protested and marched for the noble cause of fixing our broken criminal justice system. They are part of our proud progressive tradition of Portlanders fighting for justice from racial justice to economic justice to environmental justice. OK, you know what? I've had it. If Ted Wheeler is saying that these protesters are noble, well, then I'm going to go ahead and say, you're right, Ted Wheeler. They are noble. And right now they're demanding you resign. So resign. I'm not kidding. Resign. Ted Wheeler, you should resign because either you are supporting people who are saying you should resign. And I'll agree with all of you then. Or I mean, and probably and I should say and not or you're a pathetic, ineffectual leader who has proven that even your own neighbors can't stand what's going on because they called the police and the cops wouldn't show up and they were throwing things out of the windows at these extremists. But you are unable to defend your own house. I mean, look, even the mayor of Seattle, as soon as they went to her house, she slammed her iron fist on the table and deployed the cops to clear them out. Now, I think it's hypocritical, but I can still respect that to some degree. Ted Wheeler can't even get the cops to show up. So here it is. Donald Trump mocking him says, I'm going to take control. This. I got the tweet right here, actually. He says, if the incompetent mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, doesn't get control of his city and stop the anarchists, agitators, rioters, and looters, causing great danger to innocent people, we will go in and take care of matters the way they should have been taken care of 100 days ago. Yep. What am I supposed to say about that? Ted Wheeler can't even keep these people out of his own house. And I'm supposed to be mad that Donald Trump is saying, I'm going to go in and protect these people. Listen, when you hear that people in his, his own building are calling the cops and the cops won't show up, I think they're going to be cross. I'm pretty sure they're probably they're crossing their fingers saying, please, Trump, just send in the feds. I love when I tell these stories about like people I know, the lefties on Twitter go, Tim's lying. Anecdotes aren't data. It's like when I come out and tell you that I know people in Chicago who want the feds to come in, I am not telling you I have a tremendous data set proving all cops are good and Trump is you know perfect. I'm saying I know people who want the feds. That's all I'm saying. And maybe it's just three people in all of Chicago who want the feds to come in. We know that's not true because of the C-SPAN calls. You know, those C-SPAN calls I was talking about the other day where people are quitting the Democratic Party. 
One guy called in and said he lived in the Chicago suburbs and the city's overrun. It's being taken over. Yeah, they want Donald Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act because they have lost faith in their local leaders. And I'll tell you this, if, if people really were throwing things out of the windows at these protesters, these extremists, I'm fairly confident they've lost faith in Ted Wheeler as well. In which case, you know what? Maybe Donald Trump, it's time to invoke the Insurrection Act. Maybe. I'm reticent to say, you know, absolutely yes, because I just, I don't know what he should or shouldn't do. I can tell you though, Ted Wheeler has lost control. If he ever had it in the first place, they're in his house. And the left is currently engaging in escalation. Take a look at this story. In defense of looting, a new book. I talked about this during Ferguson. That's what they write. The left says in defense of looting. I'm not necessarily going to get into this. I'll read a little bit. They say in the past months of demonstrations for black lives, there's been a lot of hand wringing about looting, whether it was New York's governor, Andrew Cuomo, saying that stealing purses and sneakers was inexcusable or St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter saying looters were destroying our community. Police officers, government officials and pundits alike have bemoaned the property damage and demanded an end to the riots. And just this week, rioters have burned buildings and looted stores in Kenosha, Wisconsin, following the police shooting of Jacob Blake, to which Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson has said peaceful protesting is a constitutionally protected form of free speech. Writing is not. Writer Vicki Osterweil's book In Defense of Looting came out on Tuesday when she finished it back in April. She wrote that, quote, a new energy of resistance is building across the country. Now, as protests and riots continue to grip cities, she argues that looting is a powerful tool to bring about real lasting change in society. The rioters who smash windows and take items from stores, she says, are engaging in a powerful tactic that question the justice of law and order and the distribution of property and wealth in in an unequal society. No, that's insane. Now, I'm not going to shed a tear over Gucci. I got to be honest. When they like storm the Nike store, I'm not going to shed a tear over massive multinational corporations and luxury item shops, but I can recognize it's wrong. But I'll tell you, I don't care about Gucci. I care about that photo that came out in the New York Times where you had an immigrant couple hugging, standing amid the rubble of their small mom and pop bodega. They wanted nothing but to sell a candy bar to the local children, to carry a few gallons of milk, some cartons of eggs and some loaves of bread. And the root and the looters came in and destroyed everything. That's not justice. That's not powerful rhetoric. That is violence. And that is evil. And what have we seen in Portland? A vintage toy shop, a small business. They broke in and stole like figurines, things that can never be replaced. That is not justice. You are stealing from regular people who are struggling to make ends meet. They don't care about you. They don't care about justice. They just want power. And they're the last people who should ever be allowed to have it. So Donald Trump says he's going to come in, invoke the Insurrection Act and crush the extremists figuratively in terms of law enforcement, I'm saying, you're not going to see me shed a tear. If they're going to break into the home of Ted Wheeler and he's going to sit there crying like a whiny, pathetic coward, unable to do anything about it, well, then he should resign. And if Joe Biden, has, who's been hiding in his basement for three months, dare pop his head out and say, can, can I be president now? I will say no, because you are scared and you are pathetic and you are letting these evil people run rampant. They're not just in our streets. They're in our cultural institutions talking about insane things like looting being a good thing. And that's the lie. It was just a big box store at Target. They don't, you know, you know what they leave out every time? Small restaurant in Chicago, pizza shop, 
ransacked, looted. Small bodegas, corner stores, toy shops, they're destroying people's businesses. And these are not major corporations. And then when everyone dare bring it up, they say, you care about private property more than you care about lives. No, because you've killed 32 people already. I'm upset about that as well. People who didn't need to die. People like David Dorn, a good man who was trying to protect his friend's business. And he was killed over what? Some TVs. But in defense of looting, when you say in defense of looting, I want you to remember the face of every single person who was killed because of your looting and then try and defend it. Despicable and evil. And we've got horrifying people in this country like Lori Lightfoot and Ted Wheeler and Garcetti and and de Blasio completely incapable of doing the right thing. Then we see what happens in Kenosha. You dare defend yourself. You're the bad guy. You will be charged. We see what happens in St. Louis, the McCloskey's. You're the bad guy if you defend your own home. We cannot have this. This is not justice. This is not karma. This is evil authoritarianism. The villains are gaining ground and they're being protected. And I won't stand for it. You think that these people think they're the good guys and they've got blood on their hands. I know they like to complain about Trump and say, Tim, 32 dead is nothing compared to all the covid deaths. Dude, you want to talk about a virus? I can, we can't control the virus. It has no brain. It's just a virus. But what's happening in these cities was intentional. And the lack of leadership was also intentional. These are man-made constructs we can control. So vote these people out. I certainly hope they get voted out. Ted Wheeler, I hope, I hope you enjoy what you have wrought because they're there in your home. And I, I, I hope if you're a neighbor of Ted Wheeler, I, you know, I feel bad. I really do. I'm not trying to, you know, drag any, any of you guys living in that building who are subjected to this nightmare, but make sure you go to Ted Wheeler's door and you give him a stern talking to, and you give him a wag of the finger. That's about the best you can do. Demand he solve the problem. Speak up. And then when it comes time, when it comes time for the election, you get rid of him. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. Bill Maher has been left feeling very nervous about Joe Biden's chances. The real-time host gave the RNC high marks and expressed he's less confident about a Biden victory. And I would agree with him. The only issue is that Bill Maher doesn't seem to get it. The woke insanity has only gotten worse, and he's called it out over and over again. Now, perhaps Trump isn't the, the, the answer to the far left insanity, but I'll tell you what, he's your only real option at this point. And I know it sounds dumb and I hate saying this because I've long said I typically don't vote against people, but I got to say it right now. What's the alternative? Joe Jorgensen, you could vote libertarian, but she's overtly expressed support for Black Lives Matter. That's the racist intersectionality that I oppose. So Donald Trump seems like the only option. I want to start this by making one very important point. There's a man named Ibrahim Kendi who wrote a book. It's number one in human rights on Amazon. It's number 13 overall in it. He says the only cure for past discrimination is present discrimination. And the only cure for present discrimination is future discrimination. Martin Luther King Jr. said that he had a dream that his kids would live in a world where they would be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. So my question to the left is, if you believe in this ideology, then what are you doing to support Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream? The reality is it's quite the opposite of it. That's what I'm opposed to. I'm also angry about the ongoing riots. Bill Maher has talked about this, 
But apparently it's just not enough for him to realize that Trump might have his issues, but he's certainly not as bad as Joe Biden. And I guess Bill Maher's hope is that Biden is a return to the Obama era. But this is where it all started. They blame Trump. They say all this is happening on Trump's watch. I don't care. Trump's the one railing against it. All of this weird intersectionality stuff and the far left racist stuff started under Obama. I mean, you could argue it started earlier than that, but it was under Obama for two terms and he did nothing about it. Fox News says real time host Bill Maher expressed his concerns about President Trump pulling off a reelection victory following this week's Republican convention. Appearing on MSNBC's The Readout, Maher gave the RNC high marks, calling it unique and noting the inclusion of people applauding for some of the speakers. I don't know if this stuff works, but it might. I am feeling less confident about this. Maybe it's just their convention bump got to me, but I'm feeling less confident than I was a month ago. MSNBC host Joy Reid agreed that the GOP convention was a smoothly produced thing and suggested that the four black guys and the women who were invited to speak were meant to sway voters as a permission slip for those who felt uncomfortable supporting President Trump again in 2020 wildly offensive, racist and sexist, I might add, but we'll get to that in a second. Marr, however, called the strategy effective, highlighting Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron's blistering attacks against Joe Biden. He was pushing back on Joe Biden for saying, you know, if you vote for Trump, you ain't black. And I don't think that's a good thing for Joe Biden to have said, Marr told Reid. He, Cameron, said, I have my own mind. People do have their own minds. I've never been a fan of conformity. I've never been a fan of we all wear pink on Wednesdays. We all have to do this. We all have to say this. I don't bend the knee. And I get that people are pushing back at that kind of stuff. He explained the HBO star then reiterated his growing doubts of a president elect Biden. I feel very nervous the same way I did four years ago at this time. Maher later told Reed the Republicans at the convention looked optimistic despite the pandemic and civil unrest, stressing that optimism very often wins elections. Even President Trump appeared gleeful upon hearing Mars pessimism. Leading in Michigan, leading in Minnesota, leading all over. Sorry, Trump reacted. There it is. Now, this segment isn't going to be about the secret Trump voters. In fact, I've got a segment on that coming up in just a few minutes. No, this segment is on the personalities and the pundits. See, Bill Maher is expressing his doubt based on the RNC being well done. And what does MSNBC's Joy Reid claim? She says the RNC trotted out black speakers to make whites feel good about white nationalism. The host endorsed an article that blasted black tokens who speak at the GOP convention. Where you at, Bill Maher? You were just on this lady's show. Could you tell her to shut up? That's racist. Okay. Donald Trump, the RNC are bringing up people you are on the side of supposedly arguing that marginalized voices need to be uplifted. So what did the RNC do? They said, okay, great. Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, come on down. Tell people what you think. And now Joy Reid has the nerve to insult them over this. It's funny. They, they claim to care about diversity. They don't. Anyone who dare oppose them is smeared and insulted as tokens. That is patently absurd. Fox News reports in a piece published in the liberal outlet The Nation, frequent MSNBC guest Ellie Mistel accused the RNC of using black people to convince white people it's OK to vote for a bigot, saying, quote, most white Republican voters don't need permission to vote for white supremacy. They're racist themselves and think being racist is just common sense. Mistel wrote, the message is not subtle, but Donald Trump's willingness to say the quiet part out loud is why so many racists love him. The irreducible core of his base is white people 
who think being openly racist and violent towards black people is an inalienable right that has been taken from them by cancel culture. Trump gives these people a bullhorn and they love him for it. I care about liberalism. Yeah, straight up. That's why I'm going to vote for Donald Trump, because these people are nuts. I love it. They come to my page and they say, "Mm, here comes another white man saying, oh, shut up. Because legally, and (laughs) I guess in their own context, I'm not white. I guess that's how it works in this country. You have any amount of not white in you and you're not white. Fine, whatever. I've never had to think about my identity. And and I've actually had white nationalists say this to me. They said that my problem is that I have no racial identity because I'm mixed race. And people wonder why I mention it as often as I do. I don't mention it nearly as often as most people actually say, but I get it. It's a meme. It's kind of funny. The point is, I've never actually experienced any circumstance in which I had to assert identity until these people came along and started crapping all over liberalism. Isn't that crazy that that the liberals, their best option is to vote conservative? Some people have said that liberals are conservatives now, and that's not that's not true. It's not true. Conservatives still have their distinct ideology. And we're talking about the, the, the colloquial understanding of the terms based on U.S. politics. I, as a liberal, still have many of the same liberal policy positions, though I think the best bet is to vote conservative because they're closer to where I'm at compared to these overt racists like uh, Joy Reid and this woman, uh, what's her name, Mistel, Ellie Mistel. Mistel went on to claim the GOP was practicing tokenism by having several black speakers expressing their support for President Trump, including Senator Tim Scott, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, former NFL players Jack Brewer and Herschel Walker, among others. She says the black people who are allowed to speak at this convention were there to transmit one message to white listeners. It's okay. Trump's racism is okay because here's one of Trump's black golfing buddies. Cops and vigilantes shooting black people is okay because here's a black ex-con who complied with the police and he's still alive. Mistel explained. The banality of these black validators can be seen most clearly when you compare their roles to what the white speakers were allowed to do at the convention. The black speakers seemingly wanted nothing. There were no additional policies they desired or issues they wanted addressed. They had no goals they wanted the next Trump administration to accomplish and no legislation they wanted Republicans to pass. Instead of an agenda, the black people were just there to say, thank you, white folks, and fade off screen. I'm not black, but I do come from a mixed family. And I will tell you this, when I, t- I was having a conversation with a progressive friend of mine, and, 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 and the reason I bring this up in reference to, you know, Bill Maher is simply because this is what the pundits are bringing up in, in reference to Trump. And, he, and I will tell you why I think Bill Maher is right and Trump is going to win. I was talking to a progressive friend of mine who told me to check my white privilege. And I said, I don't identify as white. And she was shocked. She said, what? what you, you don't? But I was like, yeah, you know, I have a mixed family. I didn't grow up like I, I had, uh, you know, bulgogi and like my mom would make Korean food. And we weren't like overtly any specific culture. My dad would make burgers. We we're just regular people. And I never actually had growing up this like identity based around race or anything like that. So here I am now being confronted by progressives who are white calling for white collective action and insulting black people because they dare have opinions they don't like. I don't like that either. When I would talk to my progressives about race, they would demand I identify as white. Why? That's insane. They'd be like, well, you know, you're passing, so you you have to. I was like, no, that's not true. Many people don't know what I am. Sure, a lot of people said, you just look like a white guy. I get it. But if I go out in the summer, I get a tan, then I I get told that I'm Mexican or whatever. And that's my experience. Shouldn't my experience matter to these leftists? Guess what? When I talk to Trump supporters, they never ask me about my identity. They never ask me about race. It's only the left that ever does. 
And the point is the left, some of these progressives will assume I'm Hispanic or something else. That's what they say. Oh, I figured you were something else. I don't want to deal with that. I shouldn't have to deal with that. And I especially don't like it when I hear them disparaging minorities for thinking for themselves. I have no problem with progressives who are black, white, Latino. And if they want to, if they think the opinions they have, I, I respect that as well. But why is it only going in one direction? Why is it that when I go and stand next to a Trump supporter, my race doesn't matter? But when they have speakers who want to speak up and talk about what they believe in, now all of a sudden it's a race issue. The Democrats are overtly racist and the white people who support them are pathetic and spineless and not worth talking to for me when it comes to opinions. And I'll tell you why. Because as soon as they find out, like I've been at these Occupy protests, I was at Occupy Wall Street. When I talk to these progressives, they will they will argue with me until they find out that I'm not from a, you know, 100% white family. All of a sudden then they change their opinions, meaning they never told me any, anything sincere in the first place. I don't want to live in a country ruled by these lunatics. I'd rather sit down with people of different races, creeds, colors, religions, whatever, national origins, some, you know, uh, asylum seekers, and have a real conversation about our worldviews and how we experience things. And that means you will have a conservative who is black or Hispanic. And I don't care if they're black or Hispanic. And you will have Nikki Haley, who is who is Indian. And I don't care if she's Indian. I think their, their ideas are interesting. And I'm curious as to how they got to that position. And I especially don't like my family being attacked. So I, I think I think there are there is some, you know, uh, truth to the idea of intersectionality. My experience is dramatically different to that of a white family and to that of a black family. So where does that put me when the far left wants a racialized world based on finite and easily quantifiable races that I don't fit into? No, that's nightmarish. I will take Donald Trump American nationalism over any of these lunatics who want leftist identitarianism or white nationalism. No. You know what I like? When I see black conservatives, it says to me that there is a space where there are people who aren't racist, who are willing to say, I don't care what your skin color is. Come and talk about whatever your idea is. The left, on the other hand, will insult all of them on racial grounds. That's messed up. So Bill Maher, I tell you this, and uh, you, you, you absolutely could have called out Joy Reid for these things. You didn't do it. But now I want to move on to the more um, numerical aspect of this. The next segment coming up, let's get into the numbers. Trump's secret vote, it's real. Many people don't want to say they're going to vote for him. Well, let's talk about it. The next segment will be coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. In a new survey about surveys, we find that there is a secret Trump voter. See, earlier I talked about Nate Silver from 538 saying if Joe Biden has 51% support and he's not and and, his, and the supporters don't put out signs for him that suggests Biden has the real silent majority and my response was very simple you can't vocally express your support in polls and consider yourself to be silent the silent majority of the people who are scared to tell pollsters you know why because we know journalists lie we know they pump out fake news. And you think any one of these people who supports Trump, they get a phone call and a journalist, he's like, I am, I'm, I'm a reporter or I'm a pollster for this company for CBS News, you know, Hill Harris X or whatever. And we want to know who you're going to vote for. So who are you voting for? They're going to be like, uh, uh, Biden, click. Because they don't want someone showing up to their house. Here's a story from Bloomberg. They say, a new online study finds that Republicans and independents are twice as likely as Democrats to say they would not give their true opinion in a telephone poll question about their preference for president in 2020. That raises the possibility that polls understate support for President Donald Trump. Some 11.7% of Republicans and 10.5% of independents said they would not give their true opinion, 
versus 5.4% of Democrats, according to the study by Cloud Research, a Queens, a New York based company that conducts online market research data collection for clients. Among the reasons they gave was it's dangerous to express an opinion outside of the current liberal viewpoint. According to Lieb Littman, the co-chief executive officer and chief research officer, Cloud Research conducted the survey online, but inquired about surveys that are conducted by phone. It first asked participants for their political preference. Then it asked how they felt about divulging their preference for president in the phone poll. Later, it asked whom they actually did support for president. Political party preference was the only the only characteristic that correlated consistently with reluctance to share presidential preference, Lieb says. There was no correlation with age, race, education, or income. Yeah, see, doesn't matter, does it? Race doesn't matter. Cloud Research conducted the study two ways and got basically the same result both times. In one, 1,000 respondents were evenly divided among Democrats, Republicans, and independents. And the second asked a different set of 1,000 respondents picked to precisely match the demographics of likely voters, regardless of party. The question of whether shy Trump voters were undercounted in polls before the 2016 election was part of an exhaustive postmortem published by the American Association for Public Opinion Research. Some Trump voters who participated in pre-election polls did not reveal themselves as Trump voters until after the election, and they outnumbered late revealing Clinton voters, the AAPOR study said, adding, this finding could be attributable to either late descending, late deciding, or misreporting the so-called shy Trump effect. Typically, the AAPOR study found those who admit changing their minds more or less wash out, breaking about even between the Republican candidate and the Democratic candidate. Not in 2016, though. People who changed their answer when called back after the election had voted for Trump by a 16 percentage point margin. The AAPOR study said evidence for a shy Trump effect isn't conclusive. The authors hypothesized that if voters didn't want to tell a live interviewer they supported Trump, you'd expect Trump to do worse in live interview polls than in ones involving interactive voice response, which is less personal. In fact, Trump didn't do worse in live interview polls. Cloud Research Lead says the AAPOR study doesn't change his mind. He says his company asked participants how they felt about divulging their preferences via automatic calls versus live ones and found the AAPOR's assumption about which one Trump voters would prefer was false. Many people are just as distrustful of automatic calls because their response will be recorded. Ladies and gentlemen, it's true. Just admit it. The shy Trump voter is real. But let me show you something. I talked about this in a segment yesterday. Bridget Phetasy putting out a post about not voting or voting and what's going to happen to this country, saying basically in an article she wrote, if Trump wins, this country will burn. If Trump loses, this country will burn. Either way, prepare for the country to burn. And I think she's right for the most part. However, I'm going to be voting for Donald Trump because I think the rise of intersectionality and leftist identitarianism is an existential threat to my family, to my friends, and to what it means to be American. However, Bridget also posted this, and I find it very, very interesting. She said, I'll share this email again for those of you who want to vent or rant or tell me I'm a garbage grifter who sucks at writing. Please at least be original in your insults. I've heard them all. She said, so the original tweet from last year said, I've received an enormous response to this piece, and I want to hear from you, especially if this resonated. Please tell me your story about how you ended up politically homeless or conversely, why you think I'm dumb. You can email me. She said, I am politically homeless at gmail.com. She got responses. In response to the emails, she said, if my audience represents a slice of the politically homeless, and these emails are any indication of how this demographic feels at the moment, Biden is in trouble. 
And before you start screaming about how my audience leans right, many are former Dems or people who don't vote. I, for the most part, as a person who didn't vote, I voted for Obama once, not in 2012, not in 2016. And here I am saying I am voting for Trump in 2020. The reason for it is you could consider me, I guess, technically a former Democrat because I did vote for Obama and that was about it. But I think, like I mentioned, leftist identitarianism threatens my family and it's scary and I don't want it to grow in this country and we need someone to push back against it. The riots need to stop and the Democrats have proved to be completely incapable of leading this country. Donald Trump, they call him a fascist. If he was half the fascist that they claim he was, he would have already put a stop to the riots. So it just shows he's not a fascist. I trust I can support him without worrying about some autocratic takeover while they're screeching. But I know that Donald Trump will bring in the feds if he absolutely has to. And it's better than Joe Biden. I'll take what I can get. Now, as for these other people, I don't know. Maybe we'll hear, hear more from Bridget, but you can follow her on Twitter. She's a, a great follow, Bridget, uh, at Bridget Fetisy. Well, Michael Moore is warning. Enthusiasm for Trump is off the charts. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Would I consider myself to be enthusiastic? That's a tough question. I will tell you this. At this point, I'd probably be one of those people to walk over broken glass barefoot to vote for Trump. And I wouldn't have said that earlier this year. Earlier this year, I was like, nah, I'm not voting for him. I was supporting Tulsi and Andrew Yang. Yang, I think, joined the establishment the moment he got the chance. Tulsi, I think, tried her best to be a unifying force. Didn't really work. There are some alternatives, you know, the unity, unity party, the unity movement or whatever. But I think ultimately we got to stop what's happening on the far left. It has gone too far. And we are hearing warnings from people from Cuba and from Venezuela, from other socialist countries. And I take their warnings seriously. And I am concerned about the overt racism of the far left. So you know what? It's the first time in my life I've ever felt like I would need to walk barefoot over broken glass to vote for somebody. Michael Moore is warning of it. The Hill says, Michael Moore warned Democrats that President Trump appears to have momentum behind his reelection campaign in key battleground states. With the progressive activist saying, enthusiasm for Trump is off the charts compared with Democratic nominee Joe Biden. Moore pointed to polling in battleground states such as Minnesota and Michigan in making the case that Trump was running alongside or ahead of Biden in key areas, setting himself up for another potential upset in November. Here's a quote. Are you ready for a Trump victory? Are you mentally prepared to be outsmarted by Trump again? Do you find comfort in your certainty that there is no way Trump can win? Are you content with the trust you've placed in the DNC to pull this off? I am warning you almost 10 weeks in advance. The enthusiasm level for the 60 million in Trump's base is off the charts. For Joe, not so much. Don't leave it to the Democrats to get rid of Trump. You have to get rid of Trump. We have to wake up every day for the next 67 days and make sure each of us are going to get 100 people out to vote act now. And this will be a warning to Trump voters as well. Michael Moore is rallying the troops. Don't you forget it. If you plan on voting for Trump or at least anyone in opposition of Joe Biden, then you better wake up every single day and yeah, get 100 people to vote because they're going to be doing the same. There, there was something I remember, I think it was called like MAGA 3X. I think Mike Cernovich did this where he said, if every person just convinced three people to vote for Donald Trump, Trump would win. Trump ended up winning. I'm willing to bet that Mike Cernovich played a role in that because Trump won in some districts, like some area, like some states, I think, by only a few thousand votes. Michael Moore knows what's about to come. And if you get complacent and you think victory is assured, they will snatch it from right in front of you. So you better make sure you wake up and you do what you can. 
Now, some people have asked, like, what can you do? And I honestly don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not usually the one to tell you what you can do other than speaking up and speaking out. Talk to friends and family members and always remember to be respectable and calm and nice. You get more flies with honey than you do with vinegar, as the saying goes. Now, they, 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 these, these, these extremists operate under the premise that you actually get more flies with human waste. I'll put it that way. Then you do. That's, that's how the saying goes. Some people say you get more flies with honey than vinegar. And then someone responds, actually, you get more flies with feces. Not going to swear. I don't buy it. Now, I, I, I understand the literal idea of flies, you know, and, and human waste. But that's the people who are going around smashing buildings and attacking people. Nah, that's going to drive people away. So let's not call it flies. Let's say you'll attract more friends. Actually, we'll cite the, Sim- we'll cite the Simpsons. You don't win friends with salad. Remember that episode? Because Homer wanted to have the roast pig. And then, you know, uh, Lisa was like, how about a salad? And Homer said, you don't win friends with salad. Actually, I really do like salad. So sorry to rag on all the vegans and vegetarians. And the point I'm making is you want to invite people over, offer them pizza and beers. And uh, actually, you do this. Offer many different options. You got the vegan pizza. You got regular pizza. You got beers. You got the gluten-free stuff. Then everybody can come and hang out. And that's what the Republicans have been good at so far. Not, 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 not so much the party, but the people. The people who supported Trump have done a great job of recruiting everybody. They're having a party and everyone's invited. And we got the vegan options. We got the gluten-free options. We got the, the meat options. We got a big old stack of steak. We got something for everybody. That's what they've been telling me. And I've been saying, hanging out at this party is way more fun than that party. That party's mean. So anyway, secret Trump voters. Once again, another poll showing they're real. Are you going to make sure you stand up and get as many people to vote as possible? You're going to need to. This is going to be a tough election. Assuming everything goes smoothly, smoothly and is legitimate. I'll leave it there. Not smoothie, smoothly. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. Democrats are starting to panic and it's obvious we knew it was happening. They realized the riots were hurting their numbers. How stupid do you have to be? I, and I mean this seriously. The moment I saw one person throw a Molotov, I was like, that's bad. Y'all need to call it out and call for law and order. And the Democrats didn't. They said, peaceful protests. We must defend the peaceful protests. And then some dude lobbed an explosive and like burned a cop's hand. And the cops posted photos of injuries. And Donald Trump said, I am going to be sending in federal law enforcement to the courthouse to end the violent anarchists uprising. And people saw that and said, I like it. And the Democrats said, Trump is attacking the peaceful protesters. And people were like, dude, what are you talking about? We're watching violence in the streets. And it took this long, three months for Democrats to finally be like, oh, people don't like it when their lives are burnt to the ground by a bunch of lunatics. How stupid is this place we live in, huh? Is this time we live in? Top Democrats fear that protests could help Trump win. The best part about how this article is framed from Axios is that they're not even saying straight up it will. They're saying it could. It could. Dude, realize it. Stop. All I'm asking the entire time was for one Democrat to be like, we agree with Donald Trump and we must end the lawlessness. What did we get? Well, violence is wrong, but you know, we defend what the movement is for and Trump is bad. Trump is bad. No, 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 no. You're supposed to agree with him. You know, listen, they're so obsessed with Trump always being wrong. They defended rioting. Now, I know Joe Biden a couple times has condemned this and people on the left are like, he's condemned it over and over again. No, shut up. A couple times he did. But they've repeatedly called it peaceful protests. Axios says Democrats close to Joe Biden increasingly fear 
the looting and violence in cities could help President Trump, especially among the few undecided or wavering Americans. This is a huge story that helps explain the state of the race, with some Democrats panicking that Trump could win. I love it when they do this, because like I've made so many videos where I'm like, Democrats panic, but they literally say it. They're, they're panicking. A new poll of Wisconsin has heightened worry. Check it out. In a Marquette Law School poll of registered voters in Battleground, Wisconsin, support for Black Lives Matter protests dropped 13 points from June to August, just ahead of the police shooting of Jacob Blake. There was an initial surge in support for and sympathy with BLM in June. The uh, the shift to a more negative view in August is strongest among Republicans, but independents and Democrats also became less approving. The decline was across all regions except for the city of Milwaukee. At a rally last night in Manchester, New Hampshire, the Trump campaign amplified the issue by handling, handing out official signs saying, peaceful protester, and this is a peaceful protest. Wow, Donald Trump gets it, doesn't he? His campaign, they're smart people. They're going to say, they're going to say, oh, but they're, they're not, they're not social distancing or wearing masks. Oh, don't worry. They're peaceful protesters. That's why it's okay, huh? You know what I say? protesters, your ass, Trump said. I don't talk about my ass. They're not protesters. Those are anarchists. They're agitators. They're rioters. They're looters. They don't even know who George Floyd is. If you ask them, who's George Floyd? They couldn't even tell you. Video of Senator Rand Paul and his wife Kelly being chased back to their hotel, shielded by police, has gotten more than 10 million views. And the left was panicked. No, no, uh, he's not being attacked. Uh, uh." People who are watching it aren't watching it because they agree with you. They're watching because they're scared about what's happening in this country. Paul said on Fox and Friends, the attackers were yelling, say her name, Brianna Taylor, killed by police in a no-knock raid. Quote, I'm actually the author of Justice for Brianna Taylor Act to end no-knock raids, Paul said. So the irony is lost on these idiots. Andrew Sullivan writes, the trap the Democrats walked right into. If law and order are what this election is about, they will lose. Biden needs a gesture of real sister soldier clarity to put daylight between him and the violent left. The bottom line. David Axelrod warned fellow Dems about Trump's effort to shift attention from COVID and unemployment to law and order. The timing of unrest in Kenosha has been a gift to him in that project. Yeah, well, guess what? They tried telling us the George Floyd protests will not help Trump win re-election. Here's why. I don't care what their reason is. They are so dumb. You know what? This Beltway bubble They have no idea what's going on in the world. They didn't understand why Trump won the first time. They don't understand why he's winning now. And they'll do these polls. Actually, Tim, Joe Biden is leading by eight points. I mean, six points. I mean, five points. I mean, in key battleground states, one point. I mean, in select, very important blue wall battleground states, Trump is winning. What were you saying then about Joe Biden leading? I'm angry. I'm personally really angry. I remember when I heard about what happened in Chicago. You know the story? I, I, you may have heard me tell it, but listen, I went to bed one night because the rioting happened in the wee hours of the morning. I went to bed. I wake up to everybody blowing up my phone saying Chicago is aflame. People were romping around, destroying, smashing, shooting guns. And I got worried. I'm like, this is my hometown. I got family who live in, it, it lives in the Chicago suburbs and in Chicago. Then I heard that they were raising the bridges. And then I got mad. What is she doing? Mayor Lori Lightfoot rejected Trump's assistance. Then I got really mad. They just kept calling it peaceful protests. Take a look at this thread from Jim Meigs. Jim Meigs is co-host for Fix It Show, former popular mechanic EIC. He has a Twitter thread where he said, 
Maybe if far left ideologues don't want mainstream America to think they advocate for riots and looting, they shouldn't write books praising rioting and looting. Just a thought. I kid you not. In Defense of Looting is a new book and NPR promoted it. Well, they interviewed the author. I'm not going to say it's direct promotion. Jim says, and no, I'm not advocating censorship. Quite the contrary. It's actually informative to see this view becoming normalized in far left intellectual circles, just as it is informative to see NPR interview the author with total deference and no pushback on absurd factual claims. I want to make sure this is clear for all of you. And please share this video. When they looted in Chicago and I woke up worried trying to figure out what was going on. Do you know what Black Lives Matter did? They went out to the police station and protested in defense of looting. When I was in Ferguson, I was on the ground watching young black men link arms to defend their community from rioters and looters. And they said, these people don't live here. They're destroying our home. What did they write on this leftist rag? Who I, I'm not going to name. They wrote, quote, in defense of looting, the same garbage fake talking point to protect the Democrats by convincing people that the poor of this country, the marginalized communities would support outsiders coming in and burning down their homes. A lie. Nobody wants that. Can you believe the nerve of NPR and this woman to write a book saying, actually, the minorities in this country like it when people burn down their homes? How psychotic do you have to be to believe that anyone wants to see their life go up in flames in defense of looting? Jim says, Looting isn't stealing property by force, she says. It's a way of attacking the idea of property. This guy burned to death in Minneapolis. Pawn shop was not mentioned. He says, nor were the thousands of minority businesses destroyed in riots, the hundreds of thousands whose workplaces and jobs disappeared, or the millions whose neighborhoods have been made unlivable. Mike Tracy reporting has been invaluable on this. I completely agree. Michael Tracy nailed it when he drove around and actually talked to people. My respect. Maybe we don't agree on everything, but I I think Michael Tracy did a great job. He says, as far as I can see, Michael Tracy has yet to be interviewed by NPR. Vicky Osterwale argues that looting is, quote, a powerful tactic that questions the justice of law and order and the distribution of property and wealth in an unequal society. I'd like her. I'd like to see. I'd like to see her explain that to Flora Westbrooks. Michael Tracy responded. NPR doesn't have to interview me. They have plenty of reporters they could have sent to conduct simple interviews with people whose lives were upended by riots, but they are too wedded to a particular narrative and terrified of internal staff revolts. The hyper-privileged anarchist pro-looting author clearly did zero journalism in relation to the recent riots that she's now commenting on. Her ideological mission is to foment insurrection and bizarrely milk toast libs like NPR are all in favor of it. I'm, I'm, I'm so done with all of this, man. I want Trump to come in. I want to see that giant 40 foot. What, what, you know, that thing they did? Where was it? Was it Poland? The giant God Emperor Trump? Just bring out the float and have it march down the street. I'm just I'm so I'm, I'm kidding, by the way. I think it was funny, but I'm just so sick and tired of ineffectual Democrats and milk toast NPR being, uh, you know, propping up this narrative. They're too scared. Regular Americans don't like this, and our cultural institutions are supporting outright psychosis. These people want to burn everything to the ground. And I want to make sure I stress one last point. I have to say it. I dare you to go to a black neighborhood, a Latino neighborhood, an Asian neighborhood, and tell them not to worry because you will be there to burn down their store 
Because of course, it's a powerful symbol against the idea of property. They must agree with this, right? I'll tell you what, you show up to any one of these neighborhoods and don't be surprised when the people come out of their, their homes with baseball bats and crowbars saying, stay away from my business. And what, what happened in Atlanta? You better believe a ton of people came out and said, stay away from my business. Now they couldn't stop all the rioters and looters. But it's about time we stop these extremists and we call out the media organizations and the Democrats who have supported the violent, the, the looting, the, the, the violent individuals, the looting, the arson. And we actually defend minority communities and the impoverished. They're not going to do it. So I'll tell you what, Democrats starting to panic. You will not get my vote. Not for a long time, if ever again. You let it happen. You're either incapable of leading or you are willfully inept. We need someone else. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all next time.